Bethel, or Bethel, some people say it that way. There are huge, huge churches and synagogues all over the world called Bethel. Have you heard, if you have, if you have heard of a church called Bethel or Bethel, raise your hand. Yeah, really common name. But long before Bethel graced the names of all of these places of worship, things started really simply. Here's the story. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there. When the sun had set, he took one of the stones at that place and put it near his head. Then he lay down there. He dreamed and he saw a raised staircase, its foundation on earth and its top touching the sky and God's messengers were ascending and descending on it. Suddenly, the Lord was standing on it, saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will become like the dust of the earth. You will spread to the west, east, north, and south. Every family on earth will be blessed because of you and your descendants. I am with you now. I will protect you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done everything that I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought to himself, the Lord is definitely in this place, but I didn't know it. He was terrified and thought, this sacred place is awesome. It's none other than God's house and the entrance to heaven. After Jacob got up early in the morning, he took the stone that he had put near his head, set it up as a sacred pillar, and poured oil on the top of it. He named the sacred place Bethel, though Luz was the city's original name, Jacob made a solemn promise. If God is with me and protects me on this trip I'm taking and gives me bread to eat and clothes to wear and I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. This stone that I've set up as a sacred pillar will be God's home. And of everything you give me, I will give you a tenth back. Jacob had a dream as he was sleeping in the wilderness with his head on a rock. In that place, he had a vision from God which claimed that space, that particular little campsite, as a sacred place to him. No one knows exactly where this place was. Uh, A century ago, there was a group of archaeologists that went out, and they guessed that it might be right, right here in this place. And the truth is, though, that no one knows. But Jacob claimed this place as Bethel. And he had this extraordinary experience uh, with God. And he claimed the place as sacred. And he took this rock that he had been using as a a pillow. And he stood it upright. And he poured some oil on it. And for thousands of years since, 
because of what happened that morning and that night, people have used the name that he gave to that place and they've built these mighty houses of worship at places all over the globe. The concept of giving 10% as a tithe to God, that's a biblical concept that continues to this day. This is where it got started. It starts so simply. A campsite on the road to Haran. Jesus' disciple Peter, there's a story where Jesus was transfigured by God's glory and, and Jesus changed in front of, the, of Peter. And the first thing, and then all of a sudden the, the ghosts of Elijah and Moses appeared. And the first thing that Peter wants to do is he wants, he wants to build something on that spot to mark that spot as sacred, as holy. And Jesus tells him not to. He says, just, just be present in this moment. The Spirit is here. Be present with it. Don't worry about building stuff right now. But Peter's reaction to want to mark that place is very human. Early church communities, they used to get together long before the first church building was ever built. People would meet in houses and in small synagogues for centuries before the first church building, even a modest one, was built. It starts so simply, and if you think about it, though, within just a few centuries, grand cathedrals were being built. Our friends down at the, at the mighty Church of the Resurrection that's just south of here, they've built an incredible one. Now, for me, um, when they were talking up on the stairs here, my sacred place growing up was when I would look at the stars, particularly when I was on our family farm. There was a place I'd go and I just loved to look at the stars. That was sacred. I have a friend and she was a, a, an Air Force brat growing up. So she was constantly like every year, like they were just moving all over the place. And, and so she never really got attached to any one particular place because they were moving all the time. So her mother had her do this thing, and her, her name's Emily, and her mother would do this thing. They both had these rugs, and they would put the rugs out in their room, and that denoted that space as sacred. Wherever that rug was, the space was sacred. So whenever they would move, and to this day she does this as an adult, she puts that rug in a special place, wherever she happens to be living, or if she's travel, traveling, wherever she puts that rug, that space becomes her sacred space. She claims that space as sacred. And it grounds her. It gives her a sense of God's continuing presence even when everything else is changing around you. And whether you build a, a grand cathedral or, or you put a little oil on a rock someplace, each one of us, every one of us, we have the right to claim sacred space, to create customs about how do we honor that space? And so I'm, I'm curious, for those of you who are here, and for those of you who are connected through the online chat, tell me, where have you encountered the Spirit of God? Just yell out a, a place. The car. The car? A park. A park, good. The hospital. Yep. Last night. Last night. Yes. This room. 
this room, the one that we're in. Years ago, there was a person who was part of this church community, Leanne McCartney. And Leanne told me that as a realtor, she would go into all of these different houses. And she said that sometimes that a house would seem to have a, 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 a sad or even a dark spirit that was just kind of about that place. Have you ever encountered that before? I'm kind of curious about this. Have you ever, just, we'll just raise hands. Have you ever encountered a place that just felt dark or maybe just it felt sad? If, if, you've, if, you've, if you've had that experience at a place, just raise your hand. If you're online, you can do the, one of the little signals there. Okay. Some places, places are exposed to all kinds of spirit. Places like this are exposed to all kinds of experiences. Hospitals, yeah, a lot of, think about the emotions that happen to a hospital. They're almost like a church in that. And think about, think about this. Think about this, this, like the room you're just in, you just, if you're here right now or you're watching online, this space here, if you think about it, think about the joy of the weddings that have taken place here. They're incredible. Think about those times where we've said goodbye to loved ones in this space. It's spiritually powerful. How about even romance? I, I, was thinking, I mentioned their names earlier, but Kirby and Charlotte, they fell in love in youth group. And they talk about being up in the choir loft and holding hands up in the choir, choir loft. Romance in this place. I tend to think that this room, this place that we're in right now, has accumulated a, I always think of it as kind of like almost a clear coat of sacredness over the years. And it becomes sacred because of all of that. But we're coming into a new time. And things are changing. How many buildings in this neighborhood alone, if you, if you live around here, how many buildings, how many sacred spaces in this neighborhood that churches used to meet in, synagogues used to meet in, are gone now, that have been torn down or abandoned just in the last few years? I can think of a half dozen just off the top of my hat, hat within just a walk around this church building. And yet, in the midst of all of that, we just raised a bunch of money to update this building for sacred use for the decades ahead. That was a gutsy decision to make. It's a gutsy, it was a gutsy decision to make. We are refreshing and retasking areas of this building to continue to honor God. To continue to be a mission post on Mission Road. And things are going to change. But how? How should they change? Now, I, I stand before you now. I'm dressed in a robe. I do not wear this robe at other times of the week. I, I, sometimes kids are like, when you're at home in the morning, when you put your robe on, I'm like, yes, no, I do not wear a robe when I get up in the morning. And I sometimes jokingly refer to it as my dress. But it symbolizes hundreds of years of tradition. I wear a stole, and this one is special to me, too, because Honey made me this stole. She gave it to me this last, last year. And I wear this stole, and there, there are signals of the office that I hold. There, it's bigger than me. This room, it's, it's simple. 
in so many ways. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's designed after a New England meeting house from our, our, our roots back in New England, the colonial period when people came over. They built meeting houses. And those rooms had a proud part in this nation's history. Those rooms served as places for people to come together and worship. And they gathered, they taught in those places. They would often be used as schoolhouses. And they were for celebrations. And they, they were for religious and for not so religious people. Everyone. Even when I, I step up, there's a little step that I have to step up to when I get up here. And it is part of the history that they elevated the act of preaching. And so we step it up. We, we put it even a step higher than the Bible. There was a message implied in that. So many meanings. And those were sacred decisions that were made by our ancestors in faith. But I'm going to confess to you, in these recent years, it's, it's been different. COVID changed so much. During the pandemic, this room on Sunday mornings, I'd come in and we were all online. Wasn't a soul in here. And I'd, I'd come in and I'd light the candles because I needed to keep this place sacred. And for over a year, there was nobody here. We'd come over and we'd light those candles because we needed to keep this place. The light literally keep the presence of God burning in this place, waiting. But I began to wonder what traditions it's, the time has come to let go of. What sacredness has been lost to time? Just like the location of Bethel. Are there new or even are there ancient practices that we as a community might start claiming as sacred to us? Because that's our right. We've talked, we've talked about having a place for people to come and to light candles for those people that they love and they miss and that they're praying for. And that is an ancient, ancient practice. But it was not one that was common for our congregationalist ancestors. I was taught to bow my head when I come up the stairs to the chancel. That was something I was taught to do. In the, it's a practice in the tradition in which I was trained. And I do it without thinking out of reverence for the space. To honor this space. That's how I was taught. And yet, does it have meaning for us as a community? The music we sing you know, we don't have hymnals anymore. You know what happened to the hymnals? They changed licensing laws during the pandemic. And it made our hymnals obsolete. So overnight, we, we have a new organ that's being installed that has all of these new capabilities that we could use in new ways. And so I wonder, what's that going to look like? How we come together here, we gather online now. And in the days and the weeks ahead, we're going to be looking at updates to this sacred space. And we're putting together that team to do that. And you are welcome to be part of that, whether you've been in, in this room, this is your first day here, or this has been something you've been coming for decades. All are welcome to be part of that because we need to find ways to explore the histories of why things are the way they are. Not that they must be kept, but to acknowledge our history as we begin to make changes as a community.
Now, in our tradition, people in my role traditionally held the ultimate decision over how the community worshipped in its sacred space. And yet I'm telling you this. The changes in the, in the world that are happening right now are bigger than you and me. And I am not alone wise. So I'm asking you to go with me as we consider this sacred space and how we will honor God with it in the generations to come. Because claiming a space is sacred, that's our right. And what is important to me is that we do things together as we change. I want this space to be a one, one that helps you find, that helps you feel the presence of God for decades to come. Remembering our traditions and honoring the living presence of God that lives inside of you and is in this place. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, you started when Jacob awoke with his head on a stone. Jacob claimed that space as sacred. <clears throat> you have seen mighty cathedrals arise and fall. And every time, your people claim the sacredness of place. We do so, we do so now in our time. Guide us to experience your presence and respond to it in ways that bless for the days ahead. Amen.